The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox and this is Real Life Real Estate, your nation's public radio source for tip techni- technique strategies and today inspiration to get you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing usually at this time of year we start talking to some real life investors about deals they have done in 2012 that have uh, been good ones that have been interesting made them money, etc. And today is that day for the purposes of real life real estate. We have with us today winners of four different best deal of the year awards. Three from Cincinnati Rhea, three from Central Ohio or one from uh, Central Ohio real estate entrepreneurs in Columbus, Ohio. The categories in which these folks were competing were best deal of the year, best deal by a new investor, and most creative deal of the year. And they have already been crowned at the December meetings of these two organizations. And now they are here to share their best deals of the year with you. If you have a best deal of the year you'd like to share, why don't you send it to us via email at askvina at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V like in Victor, E-N-A at gmail.com. Our first guest is Bill Gentry from the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati. Bill won the Best Deal by a New Investor Award, which is only for folks who are in their first year of real estate investing and through some hot and heavy competition he came out ahead and we appreciate you being here today bill thank you Vina. it's good to be here so let's start by kind of sketching an outline of this deal where was it what kind of property was it what was the condition what what, what, were, what were you looking at here well uh the deal was in east price hill and um it was uh, about three foot deep of debris throughout the house, basement included. Um, took me about 15 minutes to walk through and look at everything. And the gentleman called me off a bandit sign, one of my several marketing venues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for those who might be listening from outside the greater Cincinnati area, um, East Price Hill is one of our rental neighborhoods here in yes. Cincinnati. Um not not tons and tons of homeowners. Uh, there there definitely are some, but uh, generally, when investors look at that neighborhood, they're thinking, "How do I rent it? Not how do I rehab and and resell it?" So this fellow called you off a bandit sign, and what was his motivation to sell this lovely property? 
Uh, he had lead orders and housing orders and uh, even had a court date, and that's what really spurred him to get rid of the property. He didn't want to have to deal with any courts or any legal people whatsoever, not even a contractor on rehab. He just wanted to get rid of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there was a problem here, which was that given the condition of the property and particularly the lead orders, because that very expensive to fix. Yes. Um, he was in a situation where he was very much upside down in that property. He had, he had, uh, as I recall, a mortgage on it. Yes. Uh, the after repair value of the property would have been thirty-two thousand. He still owed eleven five, and the repairs came in between sixteen and nineteen thousand dollars, including the lead. Mm-hmm. So paying eleven for it and then putting nineteen and work in it just wasn't going to work for anybody because of the after repaired value. I mean, you'd be in it for thirty, and you'd have a house worth thirty-two, and why not just go buy a house worth thirty-two that for thirty-two that didn't need any work? Absolutely. So most new investors would have just hung up the phone at that point. You know, I can't help you so long. Uh, what did you suggest? Well, I uh, suggested several different scenarios, but initially I told him he'd have to bring some money to the table in order for us to even consider the transaction. And then obviously we had to do our due diligence and uh, the inspection of the house and property and then come back with further negotiations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what was his reaction to the whole, you're going to have to bring money to the closing thing? Uh, he had a letter uh, from the lead department that he had to do something immediately. He had a court date set up, and so he was very motivated to do something quick. Mm-hmm. Um, he was uh, agreeing to anything and everything. And we did give him four options how to handle this, and he chose the one that best fit his budget uh, and his situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So ultimately, what did you agree to pay for this house? Ultimately, I agreed, or he agreed, uh, to the terms of paying me to take care of the lead orders, which required quite extensive uh, rehabbing and uh, so forth. So he agreed to pay 29000 for the house, pay off his forced mortgage, mm-hmm. and just walk away. So, so he agreed to bring $11,000 to pay off that mortgage, plus, yes. plus. bring how much money... $29,000. Altogether. Plus the payoff. So 29000 plus the payoff. So yes. so basically, he was going to show up at the closing with a check for $11,000 to get rid of that mortgage and give you another $29,000 to take on the property. Yes. And how did you rouse the guts to ask for that as a new investor? <laughs> uh, well, like I said, we gave him four different options, uh, including completely rehabbing it. Uh, for his daughter to purchase. Um, as far as guts, I was just never told I couldn't ask for whatever the possibilities were. And as I kept throwing out suggestions, um, you know, he picked the one he liked the best. There were some more expensive suggestions and some less expensive suggestions. He took the one he felt most comfortable with. Okay, so you are and, and you know folks who don't who don't know you may not be aware of this you you are a contractor you could go in there and fix that property up yourself yes but at the same time you're in your first year as a real estate investor and i know it's not one of your goals right this moment to own rental properties so what did you do with the property well i uh was very seriously considering rehabbing the property i put out a couple of bandit signs again in the area around the school and the 
shopping center um, and just to see what kind of bites I would get. If I didn't get any bites, I was going to rehab it. But I had several people call me, and one was a new first-time investor himself looking for a property to rehab for his mother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we were able to wholesale that to him for $5,000, um, and he got a great two-bedroom, two-story house, detached garage, full basement. Uh, he's going to rehab it for himself uh, for his mother to move into. Okay, so when all the dust settled on your very first deal, you made over $34,000 on a house that was worth $32,000 Yes. total. Yes. And that is why that was the best deal of the year by a new <laughs> investor. Uh, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk to the winner of the most creative deal of the year award. If you have a great deal you'd like to share, send it in to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and this is our uh, becoming annual Best Deal of the Year program, where uh, folks that are involved in various RIA groups who hold Best Deal of the Year contests are asked to come on and share with Real Life Real Estate listeners all over the United States about their deals to kind of get your... Get your creative juices flowing, let you see what other folks are doing, and so on. Uh, our next guest is the winner of the Most Creative Deal of the Year Award from Rhea of Greater Cincinnati. Uh, this one is uh, not actually a property deal. It's a deal on a note, and uh, if, if, if at any point you don't understand what's about to be said about this uh, deal, you might want to go back to last week's program and listen to Dave Van Horn from... Uh, PPR because uh, basically Matt did the kind of deal that Dave Van Horn was talking about. Uh, my guest is Matt Adams and Matt your deal uh, was one that a house that you never even were inside. That's true. In fact I've only seen the house with my own eyes once. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So let, let's start the, the same way. Uh, what kind of area is it in? How did you find it? What what were the numbers that you were working with here? Well, in this case, in contrast to a lot of the deals that you'll hear about, I was actually pursuing a particular type of note deal as opposed to pursuing a property. So I was looking for a deeply defaulted note, that is one that was not being paid on and had not been paid on for some period of time, that I could buy at a considerable discount and hopefully work out a favorable resolution with the borrowers, thus netting me a return. And in this particular case, the collateral for that note was a nice little bread and butter, three bedroom house in a town just north of uh, Cincinnati in the Butler Ca County area. And it was worth, as is about $80,000, $90,000 retail. Mm -hmm. And on the first mortgage, the borrowers owed about that much. The key part of this deal is that I actually bought the second mortgage at a substantial discount of less than 10 cents on the dollar of what was owed overall by the borrowers at that time, even though that second mortgage had little or no equity behind it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So to, to, to be clear and sort of going back a little bit to the, to the lessons of last week, you really have no idea what condition this property is in other than that you drove by it and it had pretty flowers planted 
out front. and that the, That's true. Uh, you were able to find out some information about the owners through the public records, such as how long they had been living there and uh, who they were and did they have jobs and uh, things like that, which is the kind of due diligence one actually does on a note as opposed to, you know, Bill going and wading through three feet of garbage in his property. Exactly, because on this particular sort of deal, the exit was going to be, any successful exit was going to be through the borrowers, really. Even though there was collateral on the deal, because there wasn't equity behind it, the real due diligence involved the borrowers, their ability to pay, their willingness to stay in the property and to make payments again, and how their situation had changed from the time period that they had defaulted. And yeah, through resources like you mentioned, I was able to discern that the borrowers had emotional equity in the house, which I believe Dave talked about last week. And he's one of the many people I've learned about this this strategy through. And the aspects of that were supported by the condition of the property, the fact that it was being maintained, that there were improvements to the the property. The borrowers were living there the entire time and had lived there for 10 years. They hadn't abandoned the property despite being in in default on their second mortgage. And all of those were positive factors in my consideration of the inv- of the investment and the likelihood of a successful workout. Mm-hmm. And how, how much was, what, what was the face value? What, what, what did they owe on the second mortgage? Well, they owed on the principal over $20,000 at that time. However, because they hadn't been making payments for m- almost four years at the time and legal fees, corporate advances, and so forth, the total payoff owed was closer to Mm $45,000. And as I mentioned, I had bought this asset before any expenses for well less than $4,000. Okay. So you buy buy the note, it gets transferred over to you, and then you start the process of trying to get a hold of these folks who, who their prior bank apparently had not been able to get a hold of for five years. And uh, doing some workout stuff. How did how did that proceed? Well, in this particular case, and this is not always the case, these borrowers were already in foreclosure uh, as a result of actions taken by the East Coast Hedge Fund that I had bought this particular defaulted mortgage from. And in this circumstance, because this foreclosure action was ongoing and, in fact, had proceeded um, quite a bit through the process, I took over the existing foreclosure action and continued it. And in, at the same time, I made, through various means, numerous attempts to reach out to the borrowers and ultimately got a response back from them through my attorney who was in the process of filing the foreclosure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And ultimately, you turned out to be right, and they did, in fact, want to keep their property, and, and their circumstance had changed. Uh, there, was a, there was a job loss at one point in time during this that was no longer, the, the person was now re-employed, and mm-hmm. you restructured their loan for them. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. They, believe it or not, had a GMACDITEC.com loan for that it was originated a decade ago at 17.5% interest and with a $400 a month uh, payment on what they owed originally, to say nothing of what they owed after not making payments for a year. And after uh, analyzing their situation, reviewing their tax returns, bank statements, many other processes, uh, under re-underwriting the whole loan, I was able to lower their monthly payment to less than $300 a month, extend the term that they had to pay back that loan another 10 years, and uh, effectively recast the whole loan so they were no longer in default. And once we were able to do that, and they made a good faith deposit on 
performing on the loan again, they were able to make payments and we were able to halt the foreclosure. Mm-hmm. Now, I often bemoan that math is tough to do on the radio, so we're not going to try and walk walk everybody through the, ah, oh, we paid this and the return was this. Uh, bottom line is, what was what is now your return on all of the cash you have invested, including paying the attorney to continue the foreclosure? Well, it's well north of 60%, and that includes, the, as you mentioned, the legal expenses. On top of that, my return is actually infinite because I have an equity partner in this deal, and I did all the work and had, an, had an, a partner put up the capital. Mm-hmm. So our return that's, that's, that we're splitting on this deal is north of 60%, and that excludes any future principal pay down by the borrowers or refinance when the value of the property or their financial situation recovers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So no money in it partner gets a 30 plus percent return you get infinite return as you've said and a homeowner who apparently absolutely loves their home and did not want to move but simply couldn't afford their payments now doesn't have to and can and that is why matt run the most creative deal of the year award 2012 we're going to take a quick break when we come back we will be talking to the winners of the best overall deal of the year Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. Today, we're talking to the winners of the Best Deal of the Year Awards for Cincinnati RIA and Central Ohio Real Estate Entrepreneurs. By the way, folks, uh, while you're getting yourself some Christmas presents, why don't you get yourself a good one by going to askvina.com and signing up for our free weekly Real Life Real Estate e-letter. You'll get... uh, Reminder every single week about the upcoming program, as well as a an article of interest to folks who are serious about real estate investing. This week's article was the four things that I would tell every new investor if I only had 90 seconds to do it. So uh, you're missing out on a lot of real life real estate programs and also other stuff that's going on in the educational world. If you're not on that list, go to askvina.com, fill out the response form and we will get you that free weekly e-letter. My next guest is the winner of the overall best deal of the year award for Cincinnati RIA for 2012. And uh, his name is Jerry Fink. It seems like you might have been sitting in this seat before on a show like this before in some capacity or another Jerry. Uh, and 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 I have to say it's it's a little tougher for you to win this award than it is for most people because you're a, you're a very experienced investor, right? And people 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 kind of have to be more wowed right. by <laughs> very experienced investors uh, than they do by um, you know someone who maybe is a little less well known. Uh, so tell us about your deal. Where was it? What kind of property was it? How'd you find it? Well, let's start with how we found it. Um, we uh, we use bandit science, um, like Bill was talking about earlier. Uh, and those of you who uh, who think they're uh, maybe a little bit hokey and so forth, uh, they are, <laughs> but they do work. Um, obviously, you have to be careful of the areas that don't allow you to use them, but um, they do work. And uh, the situation was this: uh, we had our our signs up in uh, in and around uh, Hamilton on the north edge of Cincinnati. And we got a call from a, uh, a gentleman who was the executor of actually his grandmother's estate. And as we got into it, we found out that, uh, that the particular house was actually his father's. 
and his father had died about uh, six, seven years ago and had willed everything to his mother. And then the grandmother had died at the age of 99 years old. And uh, as we got deeper and deeper into the conversation with this gentleman, uh, it really turns out that he didn't have much of a relationship with his father. It was really his grandmother that had raised him. And uh, apparently he and his father were kind of on the outs. So really what had happened here was this was the, you know, the prototypical uh, motivated seller. He did not want that house. He just wanted to be rid of it. And what made it even more that way was that the house uh, happens to be in, in Dayton. So it's an hour away. He had been going up there and cutting the grass and pulling all the code violation notices off the door and <laughs> all those sorts of things. So he was truly, truly motivated. He wanted to be rid of that house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he, <laughs> he's even, <laughs> he, uh, he, he called us and, um, you know, he uh, actually called us a couple of times because the first time we, we talked to him, it was like, well, you know, we, we really don't work in Dayton because <laughs> Dayton is, is almost an hour uh, from where we live. So, you know, we're, that's really not our, you know, our market. And he was very persistent about getting us to go look at the house. So we did finally agree to go up and look at the house. We went up and walked through it, and it's a, it's just a, a small two-bedroom uh, block house on a slab foundation. Nothing fancy about it, but you know, a, a good solid house. Um, they had been through the the family had been through and taken out most of, you know, most of the belongings, but there was still stuff in there, you mm-hmm. know, that sort of thing. And it it did need some work. It had, it had been neglected for probably about 10 years at least, you know, even before his father had died. Mm-hmm. So we came back and we sat down with him and um, we kind of went through, you know, it's like, you know, we really don't work in Dayton. And he says, I know, I understand that, but I really want to be rid of this house. And, and you know, the house, you know, it, it's got to be cleaned out. There's a lot of stuff in there still. And I was like, yeah, well, we can, we can take care of that. We can get it cleaned out. And, and, uh, you know, it does need some work. And he says, I know, I know, it, I know it does, but I just, I want to be rid of this house. So the pregnant pause. And so we said, well, really the most we could give you for that house is like $3,000. And he said, okay, let's do it. <laughs> All right now this house, um, we, we bought it for $3,000. We've put about a little over $6,000 in it. So we have less than 10,000 bucks in it. It rents for five fifty. Um, we actually did a private loan on that house because I'm a big fan of not having any of my own money in a house. And this one, we have zero. Uh, Three-year loan, it'll be paid off in another little over two years. We'll have it free and clear. Right now, it cash flows about 125 130 bucks a month. When it's paid off, it'll be uh, over $400 a month that it'll actually be cash flowing. Mm-hmm. Now, that all sounds great. Yeah. But... The people, rest people do the that. Well, pe- people do that kind of deal <laughs> in Southern Ohio all the time. I mean, I, right. you know, not 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 to take anything away from right. your house that you have ten thousand dollars in and are making five fifty a month, but right. uh, you know, it, it's not right. in the world's greatest neighborhood, and there's right. going to be some management hassles, and right. you know, it's not not a property that a lot of people would go after, and it's you know, but but people who do go after, they can make that kind of deal right. every day of the week. So, agreed. How in the <laughs> how in the world does that make this the best deal of the year. Okay, so what is the rest of the story? <laughs> so, um, so we we go through the the analysis with him, and we get to the three thousand dollar figure, and you know I throw that out there, and he says, okay, let's do it. 
and biting my tongue as hard as I could, I, and keeping a straight face, I said, and I'll tell you what, if you, if you would like, we'll take care of those vehicles that are sitting on the property. And he beams, and he says, would you really? Oh, that would help me so much. Would you really do that? And we're like, yeah, we'll, we'll take care of them. So in addition to a house, I picked up a 1995 Silverado pickup truck that only had 42,000 miles on it. I picked up a 1995 Astrovan with the StarCraft travel package, which only had 21,000 miles on it. And I picked up a 1985 Cadillac Eldorado front-wheel drive, which is a very rare car, that only had 76,000 miles on it. And that <laughs> is what differentiates this particular deal. I drive this Silverado every day. That's my everyday vehicle mm -hmm. at this point. And what did you do with the other two spare cars? Well, right now we still have them. Um, I think uh, probably uh, going to end up selling them because we don't have any room in the driveway for all these <laughs> things. So. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, we've... we've Tooled around in all of them, and uh, you know it's 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 really interesting mm -hmm. <laughs> showing people the the, uh, the cars that we picked up for zero. <laughs> mm -hmm. So really, the uh, the the personal property in the form of the vehicles that you right. picked up were worth more than the three thousand oh, dollars that you paid. Any any one of those vehicles is worth more than the three thousand bucks. Mm -hmm. um, I think the Silverado itself would probably go for about seven thousand as is today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yet this owner was very, ha it wasn't just, was, it wasn't just like giving that stuff up because you, you twisted his arm into it. He no. was, he was ecstatic, ecstatic <laughs> about the deal. And, and even if he's listening on the radio right now, he's probably still going, I still got the better end of that deal. <laughs> 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 because, uh, yeah, you know, vehicles that had been sitting there for, I guess, undriven for, about six years. Six years, and, yeah. and 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 we should we should add in the interest of full disclosure, there was a little bit of work that needed to be done on them in order to. Yeah, I think I had um, about three hundred bucks in each one to get them running. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so the reason it's the best deal of the year is not because of the humongous return on investment. Really, again, infinite, infinite. since yep. it was not your money that right. went into it, uh, but rather the humongous return on investment property is going to be absolutely paid off in three years, which is uh, something you know, everyone should be striving for, is yes. to have paid off properties, plus almost $10,000 worth of vehicles over ten yeah. for a $3,000 yeah. purchase. But, but I think that the important thing is, like Bill was saying, um, ask. You know, it's, it's, uh, you, you can never guess what pe people are, are driven by. And you don't get anything unless you ask for it. Mm -hmm. And those are, the, I think, the two big lessons mm -hmm. from this particular deal. Mm -hmm. And there was, and there was absolutely no downside to you in asking. I mean, the worst he could have said is, "No, I don't want that." It was still a good deal. You didn't, you didn't base the deal on the idea that you were going to get the cars before right. you knew about the cars. You based the deal on the deal, right. and then happened to get the cars as a extra right. special bonus. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very good. And congratulations on your best deal of the year win. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. Today is our best deals of the year day here on Real Life Real Estate. We've already heard from the winners of the 
Best Deal of the Year from Cincinnati RIA, Most Creative Deal of the Year, and Best Deal by a New Investor. And now joining us by phone is Kevin Trojak, who is the winner of the Best Deal of the Year at the Central Ohio Real Estate Entrepreneurs. Kevin, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Oh, thank you. Hello, Vina. <laughs> Hi, Kevin. Um, glad you could join us because um, you did something that a lot of people kind of fantasize about and talk about but never actually do and I'm not I'm not going to give away what that was until the end of the story but uh, tell us about your deal okay um, I bought a mobile home uh, it was an older mobile home about a 1970 uh, and it was uh, I paid eight thousand dollars for it and Within a, put a sign out and didn't do anything to it and sold it for fourteen thousand five hundred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty simple, you know. Sounds like uh, you know deals a lot of wholesalers do. But the trick here was you did this while you were on vacation in Florida. <laughs> yes, I did. We were in a. Uh, I, I've got a place down there, a, a mobile home in a, a fifty-five and older community. Where actually it should be called a 85 and older community because <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty of old people down there, but they they live long down in Florida, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and you spend a, a number of months a year down there. Yeah, we we go down about uh, six weeks uh, during the uh, Thanksgiving, and then come back for Christmas and take care of a few things here in in Columbus. And then uh, right after Christmas, we head down and uh, usually stay till about April. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, did you just get bored? I mean, what? <laughs> you're, just, you're down. You're down in Florida. You're hanging out in the warm. <laughs> and then, and then, what? You just went. Yeah, I'll go flip a house. Well, I've done uh, several of them down there through the years, and um, so you know, people know that I buy them. And uh, this one actually, uh, my mother also lives down there, and her neighbor. So when I stopped to see her, he he come over and said, "Hey, we got this uh, this this woman's uh, husband passed away, and she asked me to try to sell it for her." And she had already moved back uh, up north, and so the place was vacant for like two years and never put up for sale. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I said, "Well, yeah, I'll take a look at it." And he said eight thousand, and I knew the value around there was probably close to twenty five thousand. So I jumped on it, and mm. uh, they uh, he called the woman. She sent a title and signed it, sent it to me, and I brought him a check and put a sign out and mm. had a had a nice day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What does your wife think about you taking vacations where you then get bored and flip the property? <laughs> well, she <laughs> likes it. It gets me out of the house. You know? <laughs> I go there. You know, I'm there about one day, relaxing. This like, okay, I got to do something. <laughs> Okay, and and there's a there's a, an important lesson there uh, as well, which is the um, the way you found that deal was simply by letting people know that you look for deals. Yeah, and also they they've got a it's a big community. It's like 700 unit uh, community, so they've got newsletter, and um, I so I put a little ad in there for ten dollars a month, and so everybody sees that. Mm-hmm. And uh, plus, you know, a lot of people know that I buy them. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, 
excellent, and I'm sure that I'm sure that uh, you know financed at least part of that six weeks that you were <laughs> down there in Florida. Um, you know, just cheap little easy wholesale deal, and uh, congratulations on having the best deal of the year up there at uh, Central Ohio Real Estate Entrepreneurs. Now, Kevin, I'm going to ask you to hang on the line for a few minutes because we've got everybody back in the studio. And we're going to ask each of you to share one thing. If, if you had something for real life real estate listeners who might be hearing you guys and saying, wow, you know, I want to do deals like that. Or, wow, I, you know, I, I, I hope I can hope I can be on the show next year having the best deal of 2013. One piece of advice that you would give them. And we will start with uh, Jerry, who's here in the studio. Okay. I think um, kind of what we were just talking about with this last caller here is that basically you have to let people know that you're in the business. Um, over the years, uh, I have had many referral type of uh, deals sent to me. Uh, one of them was, uh, I'm, I'm also a scuba diver instructor, and the guy who lives next door to the owner of the stu- scuba shop um, had a, uh, was going through a divorce, and you know, because he knew that's what I did, I got that lead, and that was a, a very nice deal that we did about, I guess it was about 2004, 2005, somewhere back there. Um, car signs, bandit signs, just let people know, um, you know, that you're, that you're in the business and, um, and answer the phone mm-hmm. <laughs> when they call. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably the... And, and follow up. I mean, I, up. I, a, yep. lot of, a lot of uh, deals I've done over the years have been other people's referrals that they didn't follow up on. Right. You know, somebody, somebody will say, oh, yeah, you know, this person at work needs to sell their house. And I say, why didn't you buy it? And they say, oh, I don't know. I don't know what to say to them. Well, give me their number. Right. <laughs> and right. and it, as always, you know, most of the time it won't turn into anything. Right. But when it does. When it does, it does. It's yeah. worth the ones that didn't. Um, I bought one a few years ago. I, I had the car signs on my uh, on my car. And uh, so when I finally talked to the, the, the gal about, uh, about the house, you know, how did you find me and so forth? She says, well, I was behind you in the uh, carpool lane dropping off the kids at school. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she was just sitting there. She saw the car sign, jotted down the number, and called me from there. So, again, whatever form of marketing that, that is that you do, just get your name out there and, and do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, that's where this all starts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bill, what advice would you have particularly for the new investor, since this was really your first deal ever <laughs> that we're, we're talking about here, uh, who's sitting there being jealous of you? Uh, well, first of all, I'd have to say we're all in the marketing business, so I completely agree with what Jerry had to say. You know, I put out bandit signs and got a call off my third day, and, um, you know, it, it worked out great. I have several other deals um, trying to put together strictly off my bandit signs right now. Um, education. If I had to give my advice, education, you know, you've got to learn something sometimes, some way. Um, obviously, uh, the real estate goddess, her radio shows are a great way to key into uh, some of that information, a lot of different ideas. That's what helped me in my negotiations was that I was able to spin off all those ideas I'd been learning over the past year and just ask questions about it and see what worked for my seller. Um, you know, you, you have to, um, you have to just get out there and do it. And, and with a little bit of education, 
a little bit of learning, a little bit of confidence. Uh, and the other part that goes with education is I made friends with all these people who I was networking with and going to the meetings and the subgroups and and just keeping my mouth shut and just listening until I was able to start a conversation or at least join in a conversation. And those people were instrumental in helping me do my first deal because I've called four or five of them to help iron out the many, many details uh, that a deal has and the progression of it. Mm -hmm. So my deal actually took about 30 days or longer to complete because I was calling people, I was still learning, uh, and putting it together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I know you took a lot of advantage of your uh, connections with people at the local RIA group uh, in, during this process because um, we, we didn't get into this, but the just the question of how do I document this? How do I, how do I, how do I even write this down on paper that he's going to do this? And then, and then does, you know, if he makes payments to me, instead of giving me the whole amount of money, how would that be documented? And there, there were, there were a lot of uh, details like that, that you weren't sure of because it is your first deal and it was a strange one. Yeah. Uh, your, your education is going to give you the big picture, you know, a thousand foot view, when you actually get up close to a deal uh, within three feet, I mean, you there's a lot of little details that go with it. I would say don't be afraid of that because you've got people you can call and talk to who will give you that advice. They're just a phone call away. If nothing else, they'll partner with you on the deal to help you get through your first one, whatever it takes. Uh, they're more than willing to help out and, and give to your need. Mm-hmm. And I think most listeners are, are very well aware that there are RIA-type organizations in most of the major markets in the United States. But if you are, are hearing this for the first time and saying, wow, how do I join one of those? You can go to nationalria.com. That's nationalreia.com. And there is a list there, state by state, of groups throughout the United States. Matthew, if you were giving a piece of advice to listeners... What would that be? Well, I would say, first of all, throw out the box. There is no box. Don't assume that just because you've done a deal a particular way or you know how to do a deal a particular way, that that's the way that a deal should be done. Take advantage of the time you have to think about a deal and approach it from a brainstorming perspective. What's the problem and what are the possible solutions? And, and don't assume that just because something is conventional wisdom or how you would look at a deal normally, you might throw it out, that that should be, you should go with your first instinct on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there, there, there's, a, there's a second thing that I would like you to address, uh, because this was a, a big part of your deal and of your deals, and that is uh, a lot of people uh, who are new to the new to the world new to the investor world or uh have otherwise uh just not looked at it this way uh would not have thought to bring in a partner on this deal they 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 would think wow you know who's who's going to want to put four thousand dollars or five thousand dollars in a deal that's not enough money or uh i don't know anybody who's got that much money um and uh you again networked your way into that partnership and uh just just called up this partner and presented the possible upsides possible downsides and and got the money in about 30 seconds as i recall (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's very important to remember that whatever you might need in a deal but either don't 
have yourself or don't want to provide yourself, somebody else has it. And one of the biggest examples of that is money, because there is probably more money looking for investment opportunities right now that's not otherwise invested than there has ever been. And it's important to remember that certain investments are right for certain investors. And the sort of investment that I made required a certain level of sophistication, a certain level of knowledge, not that someone couldn't get that that kind of knowledge, but in order for them to acquire a comfort level with it, they had to understand the strategy, the mechanics, and what were the upsides and downsides of it. And only with someone who's well suited for a particular investment and who's comfortable with it can you uh, can can you work you best work with them. So matching the resources, or in this case, an an investor in their capital to a deal that's appropriate for them is is very important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And of course, doing that legally, and uh, we are not going to go into a two-hour-long show on how to do that because you can go to the Real Life Real Estate Investing podcast and pick up a number of programs where we have discussed that. Uh, Kevin, your best piece of advice for our well, listeners? I would say to uh, new investors that uh, not to be afraid to to jump in. You know, you probably you might fail, but you know you you got to do something even if it's wrong. Uh, to get started, and um, if if buying houses was a crime, is there enough evidence to convict you? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's an excellent question because there are lots of folks out running around out there talking about uh, how they're real estate investors, and yet, yes, if you looked at their day to day activities, you would have a hard time saying that that was in fact true, unless attending a lot of webinars and listening to a lot of real life real estate radio shows is somehow the same as going out and making offers and letting people know that you have uh, stuff to offer them. All right, panel, we have about uh, three minutes left. Any other uh, comments, uh, statements, things that you would like to say to the listening audience about what they should be doing in 2013 to make sure that they have, uh, you know, the best deal of their lives in 2013. Uh, To piggyback on uh, what Matt was talking about with, you know, when you're looking for partners and that sort of thing, um, there are, you know, many different types of people out there that have different needs and trying to match the needs of a particular deal to people that you know. Uh, Some of the people you know need, uh, need tax breaks. So if you can offer them a deal where... They can take the depreciation and you take the cash flow or something like that. Um, that's That can work. Um, some people are in it for appreciation. Some people may be in it for uh, future value. Um, people who are doing things like turnkey rentals at this point where they're, they're buying a house. Uh, they still have a day job. They, they work you know a job that they love, but they're looking at their future. So they're buying houses and letting somebody else manage them for you know, 10, 15, 20 years until they're paid off. And, you know, that's a that's a real great way to build your retirement plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so going out and, and trying to match the uh, the needs of the people you know um, with the deal that you have out there. And, and that gets back to the networking, obviously, is, is uh, going out and meeting people, uh, talking to them, understanding what it is that, that their needs are. And these aren't just people, you know, in your Real Estate Investors Association. This is... Uh, you know, this is your, your chiropractor. <laughs> you know, this is all these people out here that you know. Um, you know, the, the, all of us have needs, and, and they differ depending on where we are in life. And um, 
what our resources are, our, our capabilities, um, you know, find out what people need and try to uh, leverage uh, a deal to them or leverage them into a deal. <laughs> Very good. Thank you so much, Bill Gentry, Matt Adams, Jerry Fink, and Kevin Trojak. Coming up in 2013 on Real Life Real Estate Investing, we've got some great guests on topics like how to avoid the taxes that are going to come with the fiscal cliff by using your IRA to do investing. We're going to talk to local <coughs> bank REO agents. We'll have some special reports, white papers, and other information for those of you who are subscribed to our mailing list at by going to askvina.com, askvina.com. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.